when we spend time with God in prayer. That is something that is important for us to do as we try to commune with God, as we develop a stronger relationship with the Lord and strengthen our fellowship with Him. But I think also it can be a difficult thing if we're honest with ourselves. It can be difficult to focus our mind and our attention. We have to evaluate and we have to consider things in our life. We have to be honest with ourselves. We have to be thoughtful and we have to think about other things and other uh, benefits that we have seen and we have to actually be very intentional in prayer. And it's not just something that we can do haphazardly. And prayer is, it can be challenging because of some of those things. But I want us to really consider why we are supposed to pray without ceasing. Because praying is important and the frequency is supposed to be something that we do unceasingly, that we are to be doing it all the time. And if we're going to have the kind of life that God wants us to have, it is that we have to develop prayer in our lives. And we can focus so many sermons around what prayer is, and its request, and its thanksgiving to God. And we might even focus our sermons and teachings on how we need to pray. We might look at the example of Jesus and how He taught His disciples to pray in Matthew chapter 6 or in Luke chapter 11. We might talk about how we need to always be praying. We might talk about the frequency and how we need to be praying without ceasing. That there is never, I don't think that means that we have to always be uttering something in a prayer, but that there is never a time that prayer is inappropriate. That whether it's in good times or bad times, prayer is something that we always need to turn to. That prayer is always an appropriate response and uh, something that we should always incorporate into our life. And so we might talk about the frequency of our prayers. We might even talk about in reasons that we should pray. You could think about the benefits of prayer and that there are several reasons that when we turn to God in prayer that there is wisdom that we can receive, that we can ask God to give us wisdom in James chapter 1. In James chapter 1 and in verse 5, James says, But if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. So we can turn to God in prayer and ask for wisdom. There are all sorts of things that we might need to pray for. We might need to turn to God and confess sin and ask for Him to forgive us. And so we want to receive a blessing from Him. We need our fellowship restored with God. Also, when we turn to God in prayer, it can prove our devotion to Him in, in one sense. In the book of Hebrews, in Hebrews chapter 5, looking at the example of Jesus whenever He would pray, in Hebrews chapter 5 and in verse 7, Speaking about Christ, it says, In the days of His flesh He offered up both prayers and supplications with loud crying and tears to the One able to save Him from death, and He was heard because of His piety. That we can prove our devotion and our 
our godliness, our sincerity to God by praying. That's what Jesus was able to prove. There's all sorts of things that we might, why we might want to pray and incorporate it into our life. But this morning, I want us to consider the role of prayer and its value with a very broad kind of brush. I want us to be able to see why we need to be people who pray to God regularly and often. I want us to see how prayer can help us be more faithful to God in our work for the kingdom of Christ our Lord. And the value in prayer, we see that prayer is God's provisions and gifts. In Matthew chapter 7, I invite you to be turning there to the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew the 7th chapter. In Matthew chapter 7, whenever Jesus is nearing the end of this sermon, He turns to the subject of prayer. In Matthew chapter 7 and beginning in verse 7, He says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. Then He goes on in verse 9, Or what man is there among you who when his son asks for a loaf will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, you will not give him a snake, will he? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give what is good to those who ask Him? Jesus is obviously speaking about prayer, thinking that He is encouraging people to ask and to seek and to knock. Ask for God to do something, give you a blessing and help you. And then he goes to this example that if we know how to treat our own children, right? Whenever they need something, they need food and they ask for it, we don't give them something that's going to harm them. We don't give them poison. We give them what they need. And then we're we're delighted to do so. We're delighted to help. And he's trying to get us to understand that whenever we pray to God, God is delighted to answer that prayer. He is glad to give gifts. In the book of Psalms, in Psalm 37, in Psalm 37, we learn something about the nature of God here. In Psalm 37 and in verse 4, In Psalm 37, verse 4, he says, Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. That God, in His nature, He wants to give to you. In Psalm 84, in Psalm 84, and in verse 11, in Psalm 84, in verse 11, For the Lord is a sun and shield. The Lord gives grace. And glory, no good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. That God, he wants to give you, he wants to give you a blessing, he wants to help you. That is just in the very nature of who God is. And that when we talk about the value of prayer, when we're thinking of the benefit of praying, 
That prayer is a way that our mind is drawn to the goodness of God and His gift-giving. No, God does not spoil us, but He gives us precisely what we need. I think it's important for us to recognize that even in the model prayer in Matthew chapter 6, in Matthew the 6th chapter, when Jesus was teaching how we ought to pray. And He warned us about praying with vain repetition or meaningless repetition. In Matthew chapter 6 and in verse 9, pray then in this way, Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be Your name, Your kingdom come, Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And you notice in this a few things that God gives us. We'll talk about several of those things here in a little while, but... One of the things that we just have mentioning of in verse 11, give us this day our daily bread. That we ask for God to give us something, don't we? Even our most basic of necessities, they come not just once a year like Santa Claus, but that God is bringing us what we need daily. That God's provisions and, and the gifts that He provides us with, they are seen not just a few times a year or just a few times in our life, but every day of our life. Later on in the same chapter, when Jesus is warning us about anxiety and worry, He says in verse 25, For this reason I say to you, do not be worried about your life as to what you will eat or what you will drink, nor for your body as to what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? He's wanting us to see that our life is more than that. It consists in more than that. And then Jesus he shows us by illustration. He says in verse 26, Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow, nor reap, nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than they? And who of you, by being worried, can add a single hour to his life? In verse 34, so do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will, take, will care for itself each day, has enough trouble of its own. That we don't have to worry about those things that God in His giving and protection and provisions in His providence. That God wants to provide. Just the word providence, it's based on the word provide, isn't it? That God wants to provide for you on a daily basis. And whenever we turn to God in prayer, we cannot help but recognize that. That we appreciate what God does. And yet, in our most basic necessities, 
in our most basic necessities. Isn't it so easy to just take it for granted? That whenever you are hungry, you just have to open the fridge or go to the pantry. And you grab it and you say, well, I, I guess I, I got that myself, didn't you? That we forget that those things have come from the hand of God. I can't help but think of in the movie Shenandoah. My dad's going to love this because he was the one who showed me Shenandoah when I was like 10 years old. Shenandoah with Jimmy Stewart at the beginning of the movie. He prays, remember? They're sitting around the dinner table and he's praying to God if you could say that. He said, we plowed it, sowed it, and harvested it. We cooked the harvest. It wouldn't be here and we wouldn't be eating if we hadn't done it all ourselves. We worked dog bone hard for every crumb and morsel, but we thank You, Lord, just the same for the food we're about to eat. Amen. Isn't that about how we are sometimes? That we forget that God was the one who gave us that in the first place. We think, I worked for it. Yeah, but who gave you the talent and the ability to work? Who gave you the opportunity for that job that you have? Did it all just come from you? Prayer, it helps us focus our mind back towards God that He is the ultimate gift giver. and He is the one who gives us health and talents. He's the one who gives us opportunity. He provides the rain and the sunshine. That there are many things outside of our control. And God provides for us in those moments. Prayer turns us back to see God's hand in our lives. But then secondly, prayer also reminds us of our weaknesses. Whereas in our first point, we need to be mindful of what God does, and yet we can sometimes be battling pride, like like we just illustrated. But prayer can remind us of our weaknesses, can't it? That one thing that we need to pray for And it is asking God to forgive us because we fail Him. We sin. And we don't always do what He expects us to do. And I think it's possible for us to even develop a little bit of a complex where we don't want to pray because we have this negative association with prayer. But in Acts chapter 8 and in verse 22, therefore repent and pray. Repent of this wickedness of yours and pray the Lord that if possible the intention of your heart may be forgiven you. He wants us to understand that we need to repent and pray. That whenever we sin, we need to repent and turn from it and we need to pray to God. We need to ask Him to forgive us. In Matthew chapter 6, In that model prayer that Jesus taught, in how He was teaching us to pray, asking for forgiveness is a critical part of that. He says in verse 12, And forgive us 
our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. That in this, we need to be reminded of our weaknesses sometimes, don't we? We need to be mindful that we can have strength and we can overcome weaknesses through prayer. Jesus teaches us that we need to pray. In verse 13 of chapter 6, Do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. That we turn our prayer in asking for forgiveness, we turn it into a prayer of asking for help to overcome temptation. Not just making excuses for our sin, but that we turn it into a request that God deliver us and help us overcome temptation. In Paul's life, in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, and verses 8 and 9, Paul was praying to the Lord. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 8, he says, Concerning this, the thorn in the flesh, he says, I implore the Lord three times that it might leave me. And he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I would rather boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Paul prayed for the removal of the thorn in the flesh only to be reminded that God's grace is sufficient even in his weaknesses. And that's something that we need to be reminded of, isn't it? That even in our weakness, we can be reminded of God's goodness and His grace and His mercy and His forgiveness. Some of the most powerful prayers recorded in Scripture, Daniel and Nehemiah, for instance, they pray for forgiveness. They acknowledge their weakness and their sins. In the book of Nehemiah, in Nehemiah chapter 1, in Nehemiah chapter 1, at the very outset of the book, Nehemiah, who becomes a very important leader for the, the Jewish people, in Nehemiah chapter 1 and verse 6, as he's praying to God, he says, Let your ear now be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer of your servant, which I am praying before you now day and night on behalf of the sons of Israel, your servants, confessing the sins of the sons of Israel, which we have sinned against you. I and my father's house have sinned. And Nehemiah includes himself in that, doesn't he? He's saying, we have sinned. When we pray, we don't need to forget that we have sinned. We need to be praying with that very much in mind. That we have sinned, that we have not always done what is right and pleasing to God. But then as Jesus teaches us, we need to also turn that prayer into a prayer of victory. And asking God to deliver us from evil. 
to help us in the midst of temptation and weakness. To be reminded that His grace is sufficient for us. Reminders of our weakness help us for the battle to overcome temptation, sin, and pride. Praying can help us stay humble. Praying can help us be reminded that God is our true source of strength and purpose in life. Finally, this morning, prayer reminds us that we need to go to work for the Lord. One invaluable aspect of prayer is that it prepares us and emboldens us for working in God's kingdom. In Acts chapter 4, in Acts chapter 4, Peter and John had been arrested, and the Sanhedrin council reprimands them, telling them to not preach in the name of Jesus. And they were released, and they went back to the apostles, the rest of them, and their companions. And in Acts chapter 4 and verse 24, after they had reported some of this to them, it says, When they heard this, they lifted their voices to God with one accord and said, O Lord, it is You who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is in them, who by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of our father David, Your servant, said, Why did the Gentiles rage and the peoples devise futile things? The kings of the earth took their stand and their rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against His Christ. Quoting from Old Testament passages in this prayer. It goes on in verse 27, For truly in this city there were gathered together against you your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand had and your purpose predestined to occur. And now, O Lord... Take note of their threats and grant that your bondservants may speak your word with all confidence while you extend your hand to heal and signs and wonders take place through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place where they had gathered together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the word of God with boldness. What I want you to see here is that as there was a threat against Peter and John and the apostles to no longer preach in the name of Jesus. And after Peter and John come back to the apostles and the brethren and they report about this and they tell them what's going on. And then they all begin to pray that God would give them the confidence to not refrain, to continue preaching and teaching in the name of Jesus Christ. And as you see in verse 31, at the conclusion of the prayer, what happens? It says, and when they had prayed, the place where they had gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak the Word of God with 
boldness. When we pray, it needs to be with the anticipation and the expectation that we are going to be willing to go work for the Lord. Just a couple of chapters later, in chapter 6 of the book of Acts. In Acts chapter 6, remember there was a bit of a, a stir in the church there in Jerusalem. Some of the widows had been neglected in the distribution of the food. And this problem comes before the apostles. And they say, you guys have to figure this out. That we need to, we need to come up with a game plan. We need to pick seven men and they're going to kind of oversee this work. They're going to uh, make sure that the widows are fed, that they get the, this distribution of the food. But have you ever noticed what the apostles say? In Acts chapter 6 and in verse 4, but we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the Word. They didn't just say we're going to be out here preaching. What did they say first? That we're going to pray and preach. There's this connection in praying with the expectation that we go work, that we go preach the Gospel, that we teach others. Prayer prepares us to work, doesn't it? It reminds us that we need to get busy and working. But I also want you to go back to Acts chapter 4. In verse 31, I want you to notice the language. It says in verse 31, And when they had prayed... That's past tense, isn't it? And then they receive the Holy Spirit and they go preaching with all boldness. They had prayed and then they had quit praying. This might come as a shocker for many of you in a sermon that's encouraging us to pray. I'm also going to encourage you to quit praying. There's a time to stop praying and there's a time to get busy and to start serving and working and laboring and preaching and sharing the gospel and teaching others. There's a time to stop praying. In 2 Samuel chapter 12, maybe you'll remember on this occasion, in 2 Samuel chapter 12, that David had sinned greatly with Bathsheba and there was a child that had, he was praying for in 2 Samuel chapter 12 and verse 16, David therefore inquired of God for the child, and David fasted and went and lay all night on the ground. That he is praying, he is pleading with God for this child. But as punishment of his sin, the child was going to die. And in verse 19, but when David saw that his servants were whispering together, David perceived that the child was dead. So David said to his servants, Is the child dead? And they said, He is dead. 
So David arose from the ground, washed, anointed himself, and changed his clothes, and he came into the house of the Lord and worshipped. Then he came to his own house, and when he requested, they set food before him, and he ate. In verse 22, he said, While the child was still alive, I fasted and wept. For I said, Who knows, the Lord may be gracious to me that the child may live, but now he has died. Why should I fast? Can I bring him back again? I will go to him. I will go to him, but he will not return to me. There's a whole lot of lessons that we could talk about there, but what I want you to see is that David quit praying, didn't he? He quit praying because there's a time for us to stop praying. And there's a time for us to get busy working and serving the Lord. And when we spend time in prayer, it should remind us that there is work that we need to go do. I appreciate very much what Gary said in his prayer, asking for God's blessing for our upcoming meeting that starts next week. And we need God's blessing. We want His, His abundant providence and care and gifts in that to go well. But we need to be praying for that to go well. But we also need to be, be working, don't we? We need to be working and preparing the ground that there may be hearts and, and people who will be ready to hear God's Word. We need to be inviting people. We need to be encouraging them to come and to hear God's Word. And that doesn't happen all on its own. And certainly prayer will take us so far, but then it's time to get busy and to go to work. Prayer reminds us that there is work that we need to be doing, that we need to go and serve the Lord. Prayer is half of the equation, and we must fulfill the second half of the equation in diligent service and obedience. We need to be willing to share the gospel with others. We need to decide that we can go, we must decide that we can go wait tables and we don't need to burden the elders or the preacher with other tasks that would take away from the important work that they need to be doing. We have to get busy helping those who are sick and we need to visit them and call them and care for them. We need to be doing that. We need to get busy. We need to go to work. If we're going to pray to God, then we need to be willing to go and work. Otherwise, it's just an empty and vain prayer. There's immense value and benefit in praying. But as I mentioned, I just wanted to look at this with a very broad brush this morning. Looking at how prayer, it turns our mind and our focus to see God in our life. And His provision and His gifts. And we see that He is the one who is able to provide what we need. It reminds us that whenever we sin and we need His grace and His forgiveness, that He is there and He can be found. We cannot afford to not pray in our life. And when we pray, we need to be ready to work for the Lord. Sometimes we sing the song, Sweet Hour of Prayer. 
Sweet hour of prayer. Sweet hour of prayer. Thy wings shall my petition bear to Him whose truth and faithfulness engage the waiting soul to bless. And since He bids me seek His face, believe His word and trust His grace, I'll cast on Him my every care and wait for Thee, sweet hour of prayer. We need to be a people who pray to God. We need to be a people who are ready to go serve the Lord. This morning, if you are not yet a Christian, we want to encourage you to make your life right with the Lord. To come to Him in faith, believing in Jesus Christ as the Son of God who died for your sins. That through His blood there is forgiveness and that you can come into contact with His blood by being baptized in water and washed away. You can be forgiven and you can become His child. And if you have made that commitment to become a Christian but you've not been living faithfully, This morning, we want to encourage you to come back to the Lord, to make your life right. Repent of your sins and pray that God would forgive you. If we can help you in some way, would you come now?